Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Ask Zach. Today we're going to talk about one of the consummate chameleon guitar players that have uh, come through Nashville, and that's Steve Gibson. He's one of my favorites, and you've heard him on everything from I'd Really Love to See You Tonight, playing those great uh, you know guitar solos on that, to tracks by Randy Travis, like Hard Rock Bottom of My Heart, where he's using a, 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 a Bigsby Palm Bender. Uh, or tracks, you know, by uh, by Patty Loveless, like uh, you know, lying, cheating, no good, you know, two time double dealing, loving heart, or you know, all all these tracks, uh, you know, by by Reba McIntyre or even Buck Owens, uh, playing on some of Buck Owens stuff that he recorded after uh, Streets of Bakersfield was a hit with uh, as a duet with he and, and Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, Steve has just been one of these guys that he could, uh, you know, play with everyone from Reba McIntyre to Ricky Skaggs and, and play with, you know, along with Albert Lee or whoever else or play on a, a Vince Gill album or, uh, or or go to England and play with George Harrison. He uh, There was an album that George Harrison was producing for the band Splinter and uh, Steve Gibson played with... Uh, Played for George Harrison over there, and in fact, uh, George Harrison nicknamed him uh, Clark Kent because uh, Steve has always kind of been known for, you know, kind of being more dressed up, being uh, you know wearing a sport coat most of the time. So we're going to talk about about Steve Gibson. While you're thinking about it, if you've been in the, enjoying the show and you haven't done it yet, please hit subscribe. If you've already done that, then I really appreciate you supporting the show, and there's multiple ways. Probably the best is Patreon, and the link is in the description. There's also merch, like this amp schematic shirt, or there's tip jar information in the, uh, in the description below. So I appreciate that. All right, Steve Gibson was born outside of Peoria, Illinois, and he moved to Nashville after kind of, you know, learning about recording and playing live in the Peoria area, and he had gotten an offer from a Nashville act to to be a you know to tour with them, and he spoke with his mentor, 
And uh, he, you know, Steve was very excited about the amount of money that he could make a week playing with this act. And his mentor told him, well, guess what? You could make that amount of money in a day doing session work. So why don't you move to Nashville? And instead of being a road guy, why don't you get into session work? So in 1972, Steve Gibson moved to Nashville. At the time he had a Strat, a Tele, and an SG. And, you know, and he moved here and immediately started making inroads. And there was, you know, of course, there was hard work and luck and all those, all those things involved. And uh, in a matter of years, he was playing on hit records. He was playing on uh, B.J. Thomas's, you know, Hey, Won't You Play, another Somebody Done Somebody Wrong song, to uh, the aforementioned I'd Really Love to See You Tonight by uh, you know, England Dan and John Ford Coley. Uh, you know, all sorts of, you know, what was being called adult contemporary at that point. And he really got into that scene, besides also playing with, uh, you know, very established country acts, everything, you know, from George Jones to Lynn Anderson. In fact, he even produced an album or two for, uh, for Lynn Anderson. Then in the, uh, in the early 80s, as the adult contemporary scene kind of died off, he started playing on more and more uh, country sessions and getting more ingrained in that. And he played on the huge John Anderson hit, Swinging or swing in, if you prefer. I'm gonna pick up my little uh, list here that fell down. So, yeah. Also, just to, to mention a couple more of the kind of adult contemporary tunes that he played on that were big hits would be like Dave Loggins, Please Come to Boston, or uh, you know, you have uh, Michael Johnson's Bluer Than Blue. So those were some other of those. But then he, he moved on to playing on a lot of uh, country albums and while he had done all this adult contemporary work, then he started playing on all of this, you know, back to basics country like Randy Travis, who was a neo-traditionalist. And he played on many of those hits. Um, you know, probably one of the best examples is uh, the hard rock bottom of your heart, where he plays this beautiful uh, Bigsby palm bender thing on, on, on a telly. And uh, he was really, really great at using that. Uh, he had it set up to where it would do a, uh, it would bend the B string and, and the G string. And of course, you just move it with your with your palm. And he's really a master of that. His one regret is, of course, using too much chorus during this period of time, which I think a lot of people were guilty of, and he wished that he had taken that off. But uh, a, you know, chorus aside, it is a, a beautiful solo. And he continued to, uh, to get also into production. He began working with acts like uh, McBride and the Ride or Aaron Tippin and on and on and continued to do session work into, into the 90s. He, uh, he played on most of the hits of Patti Loveless. I mentioned, again, the palm bender work on, uh, you know, on, on some of uh, Patti's work. And the thing I played at, at the intro was another Patti Loveless track that was called Hurt Me Bad in a Real Good Way. And I just thought that that was a really fantastic uh, way of taking chord shapes and arpeggios and, and, and playing an interesting intro part. And uh, I'll, I'll do that as a, uh, a lesson on, uh, on my Patreon. So if you're interested in that, you know, check that out. But uh, yeah, he, can, he continued to, to, to work with a, a wide variety of artists and uh, also was just as well known as an acoustic player as an electric. And so if you think about 
the, or if you've ever heard any of the George Strait hits over the last like 25 years, or actually probably closer to 30 years, most of the acoustic guitar work was Steve Gibson. So it was kind of a guitar duo of uh, Steve Gibson and Brent Mason that have played on most of the post-1990, uh, the, you know, the work that's been uh, produced by uh, Tony Brown. So that's featured Brent Mason usually in the electric chair and Steve usually on acoustic, though sometimes they will uh, rotate out. So, uh, you know, with producing and playing session work, then the, the next kind of major thing that came along was uh, Pete Fisher, who was the manager of the Grand Ole Opry, asked uh, Steve to, to come and kind of help update the Opry. And so they needed to have some musicians on the Opry that could play a wider variety of music because the music was changing. And so all of a sudden you needed some more versatile players that could cover everything from what was current at that point to be able to also be able to play with someone like little Jimmy Dickens or the whites or any of these other acts. So he, he did that. He upgraded the quality of, of the music, the quality of the recordings that you've heard coming off the Opry. Uh, he digitized a lot of the, uh, the archives of old Opry performances and also started becoming the, uh, he became the musical director for the CMA Awards and also other television events like the CMA Christmas show. That's all Steve Gibson. That's him, you know, calling the shots on the music. He's the one, you know, hiring the players and, and telling people what to play and, you know, being in charge of charts and all those things. And uh, so he's made a huge impact on the music that you hear, you know, that the music, you know, if, if you listen to country music or even that adult contemporary from the 70s, a lot of those are big hits, you know, you have heard Steve Gibson and you, and you didn't know it. And I think one of the things that has given him such an amazingly long and, uh, and successful career is his versatility and the fact that he was the type of session player that didn't have a a, such a strong stamp of what he did. He was a chameleon, and so he always just played what was required and wasn't one of those session stars that always puts his stamp on everything. And so he just played what the song required and always you know, got a variety of different great tones. And uh, yeah, and that's, that's why he's had such a, a long career. I really, uh, it was kind of a, a chance thing just last night, I, uh, I saw Steve at a, at a Country Music Hall of Fame event, and it was, it was a real pleasure to get to reconnect with him. I, you know, of course, I met him through working with Brad Paisley on the Opry, and he was such a joy to work with. And then I interviewed him for the True Tone Lounge, and uh, he's just you know, someone that I have a, a world of respect for. I've created a Spotify playlist that uh, you know really gives you a good variety. I, I love the fact that you know, he played, you know, there's a Ricky Skaggs track called Hummingbird, which has a really fast lick on it. Well, that's him playing the intro lick. And then Albert Lee plays the solo. But it's funny in that, you know, Albert doesn't play the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the main lick for the tune. It's actually Steve Gibson. Or, you know, it's Steve Gibson playing on Reba's, you know, Is There a Life Out There, which is, which is this great kind of, you know, Strat, distorted Strat, you know, kind of 90s solo, which, you know, kind of L.A. sounding. And, and he yeah, did as great a job on that as he did with Ricky Skaggs or the Dirt Band or all sorts of other things, other, you know, artists that he's played with. Gear-wise, you know, of course, in the 80s, he had a big rack, but also he really used, 
a pair of uh, Silver Face Fender Amps uh, Deluxes that had JBLs in them. And he used a, a Strat a lot with a, a Roland Dimension unit, the rack unit, not the pedal, that had the push buttons on it. He used that along with an Echoplex. And that is a lot of what you hear in the 80s and 90s for him was, you know, the, the two deluxes with JBLs and, uh, you know, usually he had a, a mid-50s Strat. It's a beautiful guitar uh, that he, you know, used all through the 70s, 80s and still owns the guitar. He also owns a 58 Tele. That's the one that has the Bigsby Palm Benders on it. And, uh, you know, of course, 335s and all sorts of guitars that he's used on, on different tracks through the years. Just uh, a beautiful, you know, guitarist and, uh, and, a, and a great guy and someone that's always easy to be around. So today is a, a tribute to Steve Gibson, and I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.